0: In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. And
1: welcome to the podcast. Hark, hear the bells. A Christmas podcast. Yeah. This is a Christmas podcast, a holiday special. Uh-huh. Lots of glad tidings here. Yeah. Your uh, buds are going to be bursting with them.
0: We have real Muppets. I wish. I so wish. You just look so disappointed. <laughs> no, know. Like, really? for a second. Like,
1: what do you... Are <laughs> yeah. You a surprise? I wish. No, there's no Muppets. Thanks for the letdown already. It's yeah. like 30 seconds into this <laughs> right. thing. Um... No, instead, Chuck, this is it's our, our holiday special where we, we put together some little Christmas podcasts that we're going to do. get some shorties. Some longies. We're going to dispel some myths. We're going to enforce some uh, myths. <laughs> That's right. And we're going to explain the origins of some things. And if you're all very good boys and girls, we may <laughs> even read a story at the end. How wow. do you like that?
0: That's exciting.
1: Yeah. So this is a little different. It's a little, uh, a little. It's packed with at least a hundred and twenty percent more holiday cheer than our typical episode.
0: Yes, like shrunken heads.
1: Right. Maybe that one is up to like hundred and eighty percent more.
0: And this one will come out, I believe, on what, like the twenty second.
1: Yeah, just a. It's Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve.
0: That's right. But you should be off work, as far as I'm concerned, already. And like roasting chestnuts.
1: But even if you're not, it's that time of year where like you're going to work and you feel absolutely great about things. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever worked retail in the holiday season? Yeah. Even in retail right before Christmas, you can feel terrific. I work at The Gap. I worked at American Eagle.
0: Really? Yeah. What was on your heavy rotation there? Uh, Santa's Got a Brand New Bag, James Brown, over uh, and over.
1: Ours was um, that Chrissy Hind one about- Oh, that's um, a good one. It is a good one, except when you hear it 800 times. Yeah. It was a good mix, um, but yeah, it it was the same mix over and over again. What's your favorite? What's my favorite Christmas song of all time? Yeah. Gosh, that's tough. So, I would have to say, Chuck, my favorite- Christmas performers are Johnny Mathis and Ferrante and Teicher. Okay. Excellent Christmas album. Sure. Bing Crosby's Christmas album is possibly the greatest Christmas album ever
0: released. Carpenters? Maybe. That's a good one.
1: Definitely Bing Crosby is at least tied with the Charlie Brown Christmas special soundtrack. Uh, Yeah, sure. The uh, Vince Giraldi trio soundtrack. Classic jazz. Vince. Um, And, uh, of course, Wham's Last Christmas that's a good one. I'm not kidding. Like it's, No, it's good. It's, it's probably the best contemporary Christmas song of all time, if you ask me.
0: I, ha- I haven't gotten it yet, but uh, My Morning Jacket has a Christmas EP they just put out, which I'm going to get. <laughs> and then, I think it's The Waitresses, Merry Christmas. Yeah. That's Emily's favorite. It's a good one. And has since become one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, it's a good one, too. Dun, 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 dun,
0: dun. Very upbeat. <laughs> Wasn't that the end of like the... The Gong Show or something you just did? No, no, no. no. Huh. It's the Horn Break in Merry Christmas by the waitresses. Yeah,
1: it's a good song.
0: So is that enough palaver for the beginning? I think so. Let's get to it. We're we're doing
1: this a little differently. There's going to be a little bit of Christmas cheer between some of the segments, and um, we hope that this finds you with a nice cup of cocoa near a warm fire or scotch. That too, um, if you're a night watchman. Sure. Um, the, they, that there are, you're surrounded by people you care about and who care about you. Yeah. Or at the very least, you're having a good time with us.
0: Regardless of how you choose to celebrate this time of the year, we're going with Christmas.
1: Because that's what we do. That's a great point, Chuck. Yeah. But with we respect is,
0: all, uh, religions and stuff like that.
1: Right. We wish glad tidings to all. So let's get it
0: started, shall we? Yes, let's. So Josh, to kick this extravaganza off, this cheer fest as you call it, yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Christmas caroling. You ever do that? Uh, I have as a child, definitely.
1: I'm sure. um, Going door to door singing like Christmas songs, yeah, that's that's narco ballads, whatever. <laughs> as long as you're doing it door to door and it's winter, you're you're in the clear as a carol. I don't know about that. But, well, you know, originally they started out as very secular. They weren't religious necessarily.
0: Well, that's true. And in fact, the, uh, the word carol itself uh, lies not in song, as Sam Abramson, our old little buddy, <laughs> has to say. Yeah. But in dance, uh, in Old French, carol with an E at the end means uh, kind of dance. In Latin, uh, carola means a dance in, to a flute. And in Greek, uh, carolesse means a flute player who accompanies the choral dance. So it was all about dance early on. uh, And some were religious early on, but generally there were secular dance tunes. Right. American bandstand.
1: The uh, Eleven Lords of Leaping, you could consider them caroling. Yeah. Especially if there was a flute that they were leaping to. Good point. Uh, So like a lot of Christmas uh, traditions, which if you go back and listen to last year's How Christmas Worked, I think it was in past tense for some reason. Really? Episode, yeah. Because we killed Christmas? I <laughs> guess. Yeah. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night happened. Exactly. And that was it. Uh, the, you'll find that there is a lot of, I guess, stealing going on through Christmas traditions from pagan holidays. Yes. Specifically Northern European pagan holidays, specifically the Winter Solstice Festival of Yule, which is where we get Yule Tide, Yule Log, all that stuff. All the Yules but they think that caroling originally has its roots in the yule festival where a lot of northern europeans got together and said let's sing let's dance maybe there's a flute maybe there's not but there's probably wassail
0: yes wassail is a thick hot spicy beverage yeah. that uh they would give travelers you know to to keep them warm and to wish them well and it became a holiday staple obviously because of the weather have you ever had it no have you uh no, but I want to. Typically, it's like cider,
1: brandy, oh yeah. cloves, cinnamon, nutmeg, oranges, apples, sure, honey, sugar, yum, and hot. little orange. Just take a take a crock pot, an ancient pagan crock pot, if you can. That's customarily how it's how it's heated.
0: Well, and from that word, uh, jolly bands of churchgoers would go door to door, and it's an old Norse term. They would call it uh wassailing or wassailing. Yeah, is it wassailing? I, I think so. And they would spread uh. The joy through hymns, Christmas hymns. Right. And that was, although, see, I thought that would have been the origin of caroling, but Sam says here, we don't really know.
1: Yeah. Sam kind of bounces all over the place in this mini article, but it's Sam. I wonder if he listens. You know? If if you're listening, Sam. We miss you, buddy. Glad tidings to you. Sam used to work here, by the way, if you haven't picked up on that. (laughs) So, um... Chuck, it, it's possible. There's well, there's different aspects to it. So you have the carols, right? Yes. A lot of carols like, Oh come all ye faithful, God rest ye married gentlemen, I saw three ships is sailing, that kind of stuff. Silent night. Silent night. They're very, very religious, very, very Christian. They are talking about the nativity, right? The birth of
0: Christ. Exactly.
1: Um, like I said, carols were originally secular although I'm not exactly sure what they were singing about necessarily. Right. Maybe like, it's cold, it's really cold, can we have some wassail? <laughs> right. And that was a carol. <laughs> sure. Uh, but in about the 4th or 5th century AD, um, carols were written in Latin. They were very solemn, yeah. serious, not necessarily associated with Christmas. It wasn't until the 13th century when St. Francis of Assisi um, said, you know what, I need to jazz up my congregation I'm going to make some upbeat, up-tempo carols. They're going to be about the nativity, but they're going to be happy. And I'm going to make everybody sing them on Christmas. And that was the birth of the Christmas carol.
0: As we know it, exactly. And uh, they were very energetic, as you said. And that spread through uh, across Europe. And, of course, anything that spread across Europe was eventually going to root down here in the New World. That's right. The United States. Yeah. And uh, eventually, little Chuck's going to find himself as a 15-year-old. Going door to door in Snow Mountain with his youth group—that
1: is nice, Chuck. It was nice. And I'll bet you're it. such a supportive, like, fellow youth group member. Oh uh, yeah, like I was... you really, you really nailed that, Carol. <laughs> I've been paying attention to you at practice, and you really nailed it.
0: Oh, I didn't overdo it though. That's the key.
1: Well, that's not overdoing <laughs>
0: it. If you mean it? Uh, these days, a lot of groups do this for uh, for charity, like I said, churches. And uh, I didn't get for charity, though. They they hit people up for money or something? Uh, I think that people sometimes
1: give them tips in lieu of wassel because it's kind of hard to come by sometimes in the average house in Michigan. Sure. They don't necessarily have wassail there. So sometimes people give people money. There's like an exchange of something. It's almost like a Halloween. but well, you're, you're actually giving somebody something in the form of, like, well wishes or glad tidings.
0: Exactly, but you're earning your keep. Right. Uh, as Sam pointed out, this could have come from the feudal... Tradition of singing for your supper, another idea of possibly where caroling began.
1: Or going door to door, especially.
0: Singing for your supper. Right.
1: Sure. Because it's not just the caroling. There's a the thing of going door to door. Why are people going door to door? Why don't they just stand in a central location and make everybody come to them? Yeah. You can, but you're not really doing the whole thing.
0: There's another legend. Sam says probably isn't true. There's no basis for it. But there was uh, a, a young girl named Carol. Poles, and she was a little English girl who went missing, very sadly, in London during the holiday season in the 19th century. Yep. They went door to door looking for her, singing to declare their good intentions, like, hey, don't shoot us in the face. We're really just looking for a little carol. But Sam goes on to say that there's really no basis, in fact, for this. So no. It might just be legend. So you want to talk about a
1: few carols? Yeah, like, we'll mention uh, a couple the of the 12 these. Days of Christmas, I mentioned 11 Lords a Leaping. Uh, a lot of people say that this is um, an ancient means of secretly teaching children um, the Catholic symbols and, and um, values and beliefs at, from a time when you couldn't practice it. That's
0: bunk. Well, or teaching them memory, at least, and how to recall things. Well, that's true. That's true, but the Catholic part's false, right?
1: Right. And uh, 12 Days of Christmas came about around 18th century in England. Um, so it makes it something of an old one, but definitely not the oldest. What about O Tenenbaum? That's one of my faves. That's a classic, aka O Christmas Tree.
0: That's right. Uh, that is a German in origin, and we're gonna pick up on that in a later story, by the way. Yeah. Uh, the exact roots are not known, but the melody might be familiar to you if you live in Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, or New Jersey, mm-hmm. because your state anthem is sung to the tune. Of a Christmas tree. Yeah. Who knew?
1: Chuck, let's get to the bottom of um, probably one of the greatest mysteries of Christmas. I know what you're going to talk about. Of Christmas. Yeah. Um, What is figgy pudding?
0: If you're in England, you're going to say, of course we know what figgy pudding is. Right. Because it's it's British in origin.
1: If you're in America and you're familiar with the carol, we wish you a Merry Christmas, and the line, um, we won't go until we get some. We won't go until we get some. Now bring it right here.
0: I think that R.E. Figgy pudding comes after bring us some figgy pudding, I believe, is the more on-the-nose line, which precedes it. Right. Sure.
1: I said R.E. Figgy pudding.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, It is British. It's a dessert. It is uh, sort of like carrot cake meets custard, but it's got chopped figs in it and spices and things. I don't know. Does it sound good to you? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. I love carrot cake, but I I'm love not a, custard. I'm not a big custard guy. I, I would definitely try it. All right, they said it's unique in uh, texture and taste, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to doubt that. So, while you're sitting
1: there by the fire, maybe uh, now that we've kind of given you roughly the recipes for wassail and figgy pudding, you go make those. We'll be right
0: here. Someone should send us figgy pudding. They should, all the way from England.
1: Talk, Josh I'm sure you being a sentient person have noticed that there are um there's a plant a christmas plant as it were like probably the official flora mascot of christmas the cactus uh no no the poinsettia yes the very brilliantly colored red leaf plant that you see everywhere this time of year did you say red leafed yes
0: well that's good that you said that Josh because uh-huh. a lot of people because the leaves are so Gorgeous and red and shaped like stars, mm-hmm. think that that is the flower, and the flower is, in fact, the little yellow thing in the center.
1: Yeah, and the flower is like, I wish somebody would pay attention to me. I know, but I'm small and yellow. So, what the, this is, uh, you agree then that probably the official plant of Christmas, besides mistletoe, and really that's just a cutting, the official plant with a root ball. Of Christmas
0: to the tune of about 200 million dollars in sales every holiday
1: but the crazy thing is is as much as it's uh, associated with Christmas and snow and sleigh rides and things like that sure the poinsettia is native to Mexico I had no idea I didn't did either no um, it grows to heights of about 12 feet
0: yeah it's a shrub a tropical shrub yeah
1: in southern Mexico um, and actually it turns out that it's a Christmas it's re- associated with Christmas Thanks to America's first diplomat to Mexico, a guy named Dr. Joel Roberts Poinsett.
0: I wonder where they got the name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, He he, in the 19th century, he went down to Mexico, 1828, discovered the poinsettia, and thought, hey, this is really, really pretty. I bet this would look great on my mantle and my hearth in December. In South Carolina. Is that where it was? Yeah. South Carolina, and so he brought it back. And uh, it wasn't initially; it uh, uh, didn't catch on like wildfire initially. But no. over the years, throughout the 20th, 20th century, it became the mainstay of Christmas.
1: It also so- suffered some uh, indignity in the what it was called before it finally landed on poinsettia, like oh, really? the uh, lobster flower or the Mexican flame leaf. I like lobster flower. And then well actually down in Mexico they consider it a holy plant as well. Um it's called the Flores de Noche Buena in Mexico. That's Spanish for flowers of the holy night. Yeah. And that's based on a uh, a Christmas story that's told down Mexico Way about a little girl who's very, very poor and who was there at the birth of Jesus and all she had was weeds to bring him. As she showed up, the weeds bloomed into the beautiful poinsettia plant.
0: Hey, that sounds like a good story. It's a great story. I don't buy it. It's
1: better than the uh, <laughs> lobster flower story because yeah, in that version, it turns into an angry lobster.
0: Uh, so that is generally where people think that they got the, the, the Christmas tie, right?
1: Well, that and the fact that they bloom in December.
0: Right. And uh, another interpretation is that it's a symbol of the Star of Bethlehem because the leaf looks like a star in a way.
1: And then the real interpretation is that they bloom in December. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, is that it? Well, no. There's a, a lot of um, a lot of scorn heaped on poinsettias that they are in fact poisonous. It turns out that they will give you diarrhea if you eat the leaves, which are called bracts, the upper portion of the which, leaves. Which why would you do that? It, because you're a little kid and it's red. Okay. Um, you will get a little case of diarrhea. Your tummy will hurt, but you won't. It, it's not fatal. Apparently. Scientists somehow figured out that a little kid would have to eat about 500 poinsettia Brax for it to become a toxic dose. So you want to keep them away from the poinsettias anyway, just so they don't have diarrhea this sure. Christmas, but you don't have to worry about them dying at least.
0: And as uh, my wife pointed out, oh, but they're toxic to cats. I looked that up. They are somewhat toxic to cats. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're deadly, and the website I found said cats aren't going to really like the taste that much anyway, so you really don't need to sweat it. But if your leaves drop off on the floor and you got cats, you might as well pick it up and put it in the trash, because you don't want to make kitty sick. It's true. Ever. No. Leron and the Wizard are poinsettia free, although my house is riddled with them. <laughs> <laughs> with Leron and the Wizard? No, with poinsettias. Well, Chuck,
1: we missed it this year. But next year, we'll now know also December 12th is National Poinsettia Day in the United States.
0: A.K.A. go out and buy some poinsettias.
1: Yes. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
0: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults.
1: with squarespace courses and right now go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code stuff to save 10 off your first purchase of a website or domain squarespace so that's poinsettia it is and i want to take this opportunity to wish merry christmas to the wizard
0: and Laurent. yeah thank you they have their stockings. Uh, what I'm hoping is that because of this podcast, there will be tens of thousands of people all over the country uh, saying, Hey, did you know the poinsetti is actually from Mexico? Mm-hmm. I hope that happens around dinner tables all over the world.
1: it's time for probably my favorite Christmas story.
0: My favorite. Do you like this one? My new favorite. You
1: weren't weren't familiar with this until recently? Well,
0: I sort of was. Here's the deal. I saw the movie A Midnight Clear. You ever seen that?
1: Uh, Yes, I have, but not for years. I forgot about that.
0: Really good movie, and uh, not so much based on, but inspired by this story. Yeah. And it was always one of my favorite movies, but there was actually another movie that, that... Hits this one on the head from uh, five years ago.
1: Cannonball Run. No.
0: What? It's called. Uh, it's a foreign film called uh, Joyeux Noël, which means Merry Christmas. Joyo Noël. Yes, and uh, it tells this story straight up. Does it? Yep.
1: So the story that you're talking about, I, I want to explain to you, is called the Christmas Truce. This is so great, and uh, it is a true story, as you're saying, um, and it took place in World War One. World War One, Chuck. Um, humans had gotten pretty good at war. By the time World War One, World War One came
0: around, World War One. The more I hear about it, it sounds like perhaps the most brutal of the World Wars.
1: Mm-hmm. It gave us our first understanding of PTSD, which we used to call shell shock. Yeah, uh, it gave us mustard gas, phosgene gas, chlorine gas. Chemical warfare is another way to put it. Gave Flame us tanks. Throwers. Yeah, tanks, machine guns that could um, spit out six hundred bu- bullets a minute. Airplanes in combat. Mass bombings. Dropping bombs on yeah. civilians. And most pertinent to this story, trenches, trench warfare. Yeah, this is nutty. This they, Trenches made their debut um, along the Western Front in Europe, um, apparently to great success, too great of a success. For example, the um, Battle of Verdun uh-huh. lasted nine months. There were 300,000 deaths. And almost no changes in the positions between the two
0: trenches. I mean, war was so enthrallingly basic back then. Yeah. It was literally just like gaining ground foot by foot. Right, yeah. But
1: this was the first step toward modern warfare. It was that. Yeah. But it was the first step toward modern warfare where you could kill a bunch of people at once. And a lot of people did die from World War One. 8.5 million people died from the war. Yeah. Including um, civilians as
0: well. Well, you make a a really startling uh, point in here, and this is your article, right? Yes. Um, With the trenches, sometimes these things were as little as 30 yards apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And out of all the hundreds of miles of these trenches, there was an average of four soldiers – or no, a soldier every four inches?
1: That's the average. That's what I read. Wow. Isn't that astounding?
0: Boy, that is some close quarters. It is. Extremely be, co- close Well, and it's not just close quarters. Boy, that's inconvenient. Close quarters to be scared out of your mind yeah. or wounded or, and dying. Yeah. Crazy. Or to
1: see somebody next to you die. It was horrific. And um, one of the one of the things that naturally comes about when you dig two trenches and are fighting one another is a space in between.
0: With a lot of dead guys.
1: And that's, yes, that's called no man's land. Yeah. The space between two trenches is called no man's land. Is that where that term originated? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, and so, World War One was already in full swing by the time um, Pope Benedict the Fifteenth uh, was elected Pope, and one of the first things he did was say, "Hey, hey, hey, let's have a, cruce- a truce this Christmas Day." Yeah, good idea. Apparently, the Germans said, "Okay, all right, we'll think about it," and the Allies said, "No way, we're right. we're we're not going to give up any." fortification or even a single inch we just got to keep going right
0: i i get the idea that word got around though at least
1: yeah he had called for it sure right even though it was turned down and for the most part for almost everywhere in the world there wasn't a, a truce on christmas day except for one little part of the trenches in flanders belgium chuck this is such a great story
0: if you've seen the movie you know that what the germans did well first of all they all got gifts brought to the front line, soldiers did, tobacco, puddings, maybe figgy pudding at times, <laughs> right. uh, chocolates, just little tokens of appreciation. The, the Germans got their little tannin bombs with these little small Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the middle of the night, these Germans uh, put up their little trees. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, lit their little candles. Mm-hmm. And the dudes, I don't know if it was 30 yards, but the dudes across in the other trench, the allies, were like, well, hey, that looks kind of nice. And then all of a sudden they saw these signs from the Germans it said, You know fight, we know fight. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's adorable. And the
1: British held up signs that said Merry Christmas. They said, What
0: the heck are you talking about?
1: I think what originally got them was the Germans with their little Christmas trees on the tops of their trenches so yeah. everyone could see started singing carols. And carols are kind of universal. They're pretty old. Sure. Um, and I imagine they were probably singing O Tenenbaum, Yeah. which sounds to the English like O Christmas tree. And the British soldiers started singing back to them.
0: Uh, football fight songs. Yeah, and right. The Germans then sang Stille Nacht. Yeah. And they're like, you're not picking up on what we're trying to do here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Put the whiskey down. Right. But what ended up happening was, little by little, they started poking their heads up, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, you're not going to shoot me, are you? They are like, uh, no, I'm not going to shoot you if you don't shoot me. And then they met up in no man's land and partied down. They had Christmas
1: celebration in no man's land in the trenches, like Christmas 1914. They shared um, tobacco?
0: Yeah. I imagine they shared their puddings?
1: Yeah. They exchanged them as gifts, pretty much. Um, the soccer match broke out, Yeah, and the Germans won three to two.
0: I bet, as as cheery as it was, any time England and Germany get together to play uh, football, it's not a, a very pleasant scene. So mm-hmm. I bet you there was some elbows being thrown. Maybe a little at bit. The very
1: Although, least. I'll bet it was kind of like, hey, sorry, sorry. Right, right. Yeah. But
0: they still wanted to win.
1: Yeah. Um, there was a juggler at one point along the front, and he put on a nice little show. German guy, right? Yeah. And um, for in a lot of circumstances, there there were places where fighting did continue. Um, and in some circumstances, uh, commanding officers like established a, a formal a truce. impromptu truce with the uh, the opposing commanding officer. Right. In some places, commanding officers said, "You need to keep fighting," and uh, and soldiers from both sides just defied their orders and stopped. I love that. Um, And then in some, uh, commanding officers just kind of looked the other way or didn't do anything about it. Right. And But soldiers were there in the middle of no man's land who they'd just been shooting at just hours before. That's crazy. We're now playing soccer with and and making jokes and smoking with and hanging out. That's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Because you think, I mean, I don't know, it's crazy for our generation to think about these world wars in Europe because if you ever traveled around Europe, just to imagine these, what would be equivalent of our states just going at it. When in fact Europe is, you know, it's its own small, smallish place. Yeah. they're right there across the border, and yeah. and they're like, you know, hey dudes, we're not so far apart.
1: It'd be like Tennessee fighting Kansas. Yeah,
0: that's cr- great. <laughs> or Georgia.
1: Well, no, I'm just saying like Tennessee and Kansas could fight too. Well, sure. I was trying to keep us out of the <laughs> Okay, <laughs> club. we're Switzerland.
0: I just thought you were giving a Kansas shout out. No. Okay.
1: No, but I should, huh? Yeah, sure. Merry Christmas, Kansas.
0: So uh the sad part about this is that, of course, there was a war to be fought. At the end of this truce in 1914, they had to go back to fighting and killing each other. Yeah. The same dudes, they were just playing soccer with and hugging and drinking.
1: Yeah, and sometimes the shots picked up, you know, on Christmas or the day after Christmas. But in some places, some of this uh, this truce went on beyond New Year, into the New Year. That's awesome. It is very awesome. But what's crazy, Chuck, if you ask me is not that the Christmas truce happened on that Christmas in 1914 in the trenches along Flanders, Belgium, but
0: that they ever went back to fighting again. Agreed. And that is the story of the 1914
1: Christmas truce. Nacht, heilige Nacht, gesungen vom
0: Nebequartet, Edison So Josh, that is uh, part three. Was that part four?
1: In in the fog of the Christmas spirit, Chuck, I can't even count. I'm so giddy.
0: Let's move on to one of my favorite parts about Christmas. It's not the big gifts, but the stocking stuffers. Right. One of my favorite parts growing up was getting up on Christmas morning, going downstairs. Scott, Michelle, Chuck, each had our own individual Mm -hmm. uh, stockings. They were not like they weren't even the same. They were styled differently. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh seeing what was in there and because it was my family, it was uh the occasional small action figure or yeah. bauble. But generally it was things like toothbrushes and uh deodorant and socks <laughs> and these like necessities of life that my family should have been providing me with anyway. Sure. <laughs> but they were stuffed in the stocking. And I always get a a good crack up about that thinking about that
1: yeah I, I didn't get deodorant my family had matching stockings they were all macro made by a family friend oh sure That's great. um but yeah there there would be stuff in there like little thing, like chapstick or something like that oh, an yeah. action figure Oh, a great stocking stuffer but we always got an apple and an orange oh yeah it, yeah we got candy and stuff we get candy as well and i'd be like why is there an apple and an orange in here who wants this apple and orange yeah. this is not candy so, um, True. I would give mine away. Right. And I'm probably less healthy today because I didn't eat that apple and that orange on Christmas
0: morning. But you're eating them now. I am. My faves were the the little hollowed out plastic candy canes with the little tiny M and M like things inside. Oh yeah, those but are they good. weren't M and Ms. They had a very distinct flavor. Which was not M M&M and M flavor. Exactly. <laughs> but Chuck, I
1: remember being a young lad and and getting my my stocking down and being so excited and then just stopping and being like, this is insane. Where did this start? You remember thinking that? And now <laughs> now I know. Now I understand why, where the idea of stockings came from.
0: Well, we have the answer, Josh. St. Nicholas originally, St. Nicholas goes back to the third century.
1: Yeah, remember we talked about him in the how Christmas worked. I yeah.
0: The, so a brief recap. The ancient town of Myra in what is now Turkey is uh had a shrine dedicated to Bishop Nicholas over the centuries tales sprung up about how generous Bishop Nicholas was and this is where we first got the idea of Saint Nick being a gift giver so right. that's where it starts yeah the uh, actual uh, stocking part of this whole story is Nicholas would go by the homes of these ladies that were too poor to have a dowry which is the the dough that your family has to give to your husband goat which I got no dowry. Are you going to get a dowry?
1: Uh no. No. I don't believe so. My dowry is in happiness.
0: Exactly. <laughs> That's what Emily always tells me. Uh and then the bishop would throw these gold coins down to these poor maidens down the chimneys and they would fall into the stockings which were already hanging there to dry by right. the fire and boom there's your little bit of trivia.
1: And I went back and looked and it, I was like, were there stockings in third century Turkey? There may have been. Sure. If you consider socks stockings, well, but they would have been a new invention because socks really? were invented by the Romans in about the third century. And stockings, they, they, they didn't precede that at all? All of it was an offshoot of socks. Huh. In my opinion. I would have thought socks would have been an offshoot of stockings, but. I, I don't think so. Shows what I know. No. Um, the other closer to home temporally, uh, idea is that, um, the, we put stockings out because we're mimicking little Dutch children. Sure. Who, um, for their Santa Claus, who rides a horse, they tend to leave in their little wooden shoes,
0: uh-huh. um, hay. For the horse? For Santa Claus's horse. Is that why we leave out cookies and stuff for Santa?
1: Yes. Oh. For the reindeer. We left beer. We left old Milwaukee and Christmas cookies and a carrot.
0: In your family you did? Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, beer wasn't allowed in our household, so yeah. we left milk and cookies.
1: My father strongly encouraged us to leave beer for Santa. I wonder why. An old Milwaukee tall <laughs> boy. Um, but the, uh, so Dutch children would leave their little wooden shoes out with hay, and then Santa would take the hay and feed it to his horse, and in exchange leave presents in the little wooden shoes. And they, they think that, um, it started in America in the early 19th century, and it was from emulating this Dutch custom. Pretty cool. That's where we get. Stockings
0: So let's just roll this one right in I I consider this next one almost a companion piece Oh you do Because we're talking about Christmas Day So we're going to talk about an odd thing that happened in Atlanta last year We actually had our first white Christmas in a long, long time We did, didn't we? It was very, very cool
1: It was very sweet. Um, Well, Chuck White Christmas, you know, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. It's a song that was written by Irving Berlin in January of 1940. Yeah. So he's obviously still in the Christmas spirit. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records for selling 100 million copies, which is a lot of copies. Wow. Remember I was telling you that I think Bing Crosby may have the best Christmas album ever.
0: Yeah, it's a great version.
1: Yes, this popularized it. He's the one who really kind of got it on everybody's radar. But The Carpenters you mentioned? Willie Nelson.
0: Oh, God, what a great Christmas. Ella
1: Fitzgerald, Louis Armstrong. Pretty much everybody's done White Christmas. Louis did it? Yeah. Um, and uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency. What?
0: What's that got to do with Christmas? They got
1: in on the white Christmas <laughs> thing. If you search white Christmas and Noah, um you're going to come up with a pretty cool map that shows your chances of having a white Christmas based on weather data from 1961 to 1990, I
0: think. So it's just a historical record. That's all it is?
1: Yeah. It's a prediction based on that, yes. Okay. Um, so like here in Atlanta, we have a less than 5% chance. Yeah, it shows how lucky we were. But last if you live in Calumet, um, Michigan... On the upper peninsula, and that's, I think, the upper, upper peninsula, right. you have a greater than 90% chance of having a white Christmas.
0: Ohio, this is where I go every year to Akron, obviously. we There's always snow on the ground. Whether right. or not it snows or not is kind of hit or miss. But. I
1: remember those, though, as a kid growing yeah, up in Toledo. Pretty great. That a white Christmas was It didn't matter how much snow was on the ground. If it was snowing on Christmas, it was insanely comfy.
0: You know where it stinks? Where? L.A.
1: Like one percent, I think is the.
0: I didn't even look, but I lived there for you know five years, and it's you know they do their best. In fact, L.A. kind of goes overboard with the decor, mm-hmm. from what I remember. Yeah, I think because it's you know sunny and has palm trees and stuff like that. Right. But it's really really tough to to get it going out there in a Christmas sense. Yeah, I, I, I always felt it when I came home.
1: It's like that in Apache Junction or something too. <laughs> um, Chuck. In London, they take bets on whether it'll be a white Christmas, and I looked it up. Of course they do. Sky Bet is giving odds, and the odds are 11 to 2 for white Christmas for London this year.
0: I bet London is lovely in the snow.
1: Yeah. Um, and then every once in a while, no matter what your bet is, no matter what Noah predicts, no matter what Bing Crosby and Irving Berlin say, there is a fluke, a fluke white Christmas. And that happened in 2004 in New Orleans. New Orleans had its first white Christmas in 50 years that Wow, year. That's crazy. And then in 2006, Chuck, two years later, in New South Wales and Victoria, Australia, um, there was a freak snowstorm on Christmas morning that brought nearly a foot, a foot of snow to some areas in Australia. And the reason why this was such a strange occurrence was because Christmas falls on Australia's summer. Yeah. Because they're in the Southern Hemisphere. Sure. So that really was a weird white Christmas. Oh, that is weird. Yeah.
0: I bet they were partying it up
1: that day. I'll bet they were, too. You know, the Aussies. So that's the that's White Christmas. You can go to search Noah, N O A A and White Christmas slash stockings. It, well, that's it's how two-parter. stuff works. One. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. I no, I mean that. Our story was a two part. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't forget to put the slash stockings yeah. <laughs> for your search. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go.
0: Hey, friends, if you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place?
1: Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. Chuck, Josh, I believe that everybody has been good enough listening to this oh, yeah? episode that they they should get a story of some sort
0: on Donner on Dancer. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, what, you, what we're going to read here is called "Twas the Night Before Christmas," alternately titled "A Visit from Saint Nicholas," and it was written by a guy named Doctor Clement C. Moore, who loved his kids and loved writing poetry. And uh, one Christmas in I believe the early nineteenth century, yeah. he put the two together and wrote a visit from St. Nicholas for his kids as a poem. And it caught on and was printed in a, a newspaper first and then a magazine, um, school readers, and then it was turned into its own little storybook with very cute drawings. Um, it was translated into French, German, Braille. Swahili? Probably. Yeah. It's probably the greatest known Christmas poem of all time. So Chuck... Agreed. You are really good at this. You're very good at reading stories, as everybody who's ever listened to the Halloween episode knows. I think you should start this off.
0: All right, so we want to encourage everyone, turn it up, gather uh, the children around the fire, pour up a hot toddy or some uh, wassail, if you got some on hand, and uh, let us take you away to a different time and place.
1: And we want to (laughs) say to everybody listening, thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Glad tidings to every one of you. We hope this Christmas finds you safe
0: and happy. Absolutely. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. I went out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter.
1: I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eyes
0: should appear but a miniature sleigh with eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came. And he whistled and shouted, and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, now Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before
1: the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and saint nicholas too and then in a twinkling i heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof as i drew in my hand and was turning around down the chimney saint nicholas came with
0: a bound he was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot a bundle of toys he had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack his eyes how they twinkled his dimples how merry his cheek were like roses his nose like a cherry His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth,
1: and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread.
0: He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings, and turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.